four-man rush. Mahomes fires for the end zone. Caught. Kelsey. Touchdown. In motion, Watkins. They throw a quick screen. Watson with the catch. Leaps forward. Touchdown. Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs with this opening victory, 34-20 over the Houston Texans. Hello and welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of This Week in Sports. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, September 11th, 2020. And yes, it is the 19-year 19th, 19th anniversary of the September 11th attacks on this country. And we will have more on that later. We never forget September 11th and all those that died on that horrific day in history. Okay, I do want to apologize first and foremost. Was not on the show or did not do a show last week, uh, last Friday. And then I think I've skipped two of the last three weekends. Um, I've been extremely busy. Uh, nothing, you know, really pressing. I've been playing a lot of golf. So my brother and his wife, my sister-in-law, have started to really get into it. Um, they've really started playing golf. They go to the driving range all the time, and then finally, progressively, they decided, you know, we want to try going and playing on a course. And, of course, my brother, you know, he's been before. That's fine. So we've been playing a lot. I'm, I've got a tee time for tomorrow. I like the, We like those afternoon tee times, cheaper prices, and, um, you know, don't have to wake up as early so I could stay up nice and late, watch my sports because uh, it is epic right now, sports going on left and right, more sports than we've ever seen. We had the sports equinox last night that I will mention, but it, with a twist, okay, with a little cherry on top, if, if you will. We had the four major sports. The NFL was back, of course, with the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Texans. We had the NBA playoffs, we had Major League Baseball, and we had the NHL playoffs. But with the little twist, I said, a little cherry on top, right? The MLS and the WNBA. You know, if anybody out there watches those two sports, I personally do not. Uh, very few and far between. But we will get to uh, that Kansas City Chiefs and Houston Texans opening night game that you you know you just heard that clip there some highlights of the Chiefs winning that game on the first Thursday night of the NFL season just drafted my fantasy team you know um prospects look strong but first we must recap a long week or really uh let's start with the weekend um last weekend that we missed okay we'll recap starting with Messi, one of the best soccer players or footballers in history, right? He finally decided to reverse course and announced he would return to Barcelona and avoid a legal battle to get out of his contract. That was a whole big mess. If you follow, you know, the uh, soccer world, you totally know what that was all about. Because like I said, Messi, such a high profile athlete, uh, small in stature, but just amazing left footer. Uh, I was a left footer myself. Deadly left foot when I played back in the day. Uh, next up, 
the Joker, Novak Djokovic or Djokovic. I, I always mess that up when I go to pronounce his name. I never know whether to say Djokovic or Djokovic. Uh, I'll stick with Djokovic. He was booted from the U.S. Open after accidentally hitting a lines person or lines woman in this case with a tennis ball. He took out a little frustration um, and then he turned around after I guess he lost a point and he just hit the ball behind him, behind the court, and it accidentally hit this lines woman in, or line judge, I don't know what she's exactly called, but hit her right in the Adam's apple. She went over, and you could tell he, you know, he was taking out his anger and frustration, but he didn't mean to hit her. And when he hit her, he was like, oh my God. So yeah, he got disqualified. Some softies in the tennis realm. Um, Yeah, I guess that warrants a disqualification. So then it gets even weirder. On Monday, a raccoon showed up in the stands. So one of the women's tennis matches, they showed they were serving. And right in the stands where they have the little tarps because there's no fans, you saw a raccoon run right across the stairs, right from the aisle, uh, right across. Very weird. Uh, Not a fan of raccoons. Usually when they're out in the daytime, they're rabid, they're nasty. Saw one on one of the holes I was playing last weekend, and I kind of had a freak out. We were on the tee box of a par three, and it came out of the woods and went towards uh, the water stream and then came back in towards the woods right where the cart path was. So I was ready with a club. If that thing came at me, it was getting getting plowed or mowed down. Uh, Then the Lakers switch over to the NBA, they lost game one of the Western Conference semifinals against the Houston Rockets, which set off alarms. LeBron then almost triple-doubled, and the Lakers won game two. We've since seen games three and four be played, which more on that later. Sadly, Giannis was knocked out of game four in the semis against the Heat with an ankle injury, but thanks to Chris Middleton's 36 the Bucks staved off elimination only for one game. Sadly, they were eliminated in five. And I know you don't want to hear this, Bucks fans, but Giannis's days are numbered. It's over. He will be pulling out and moving on. He will do exactly what the rest of the league does. Your Kawhi Leonard, your LeBron Jameses, you lose on one team this much with this high ex- of expectations. They were the favorite to win it all. Coming back into the bubble with their full roster, they were the only team with a full roster, and I believe his time is over. I could say that with confidence. The top teams right now, uh, the there's rumors, the Raptors, possibly the Miami Heat, okay? But if you ask me, I think he's going to go to the New York Knickerbockers. <laughs> Yeah, right. Never. No shot he goes to the Knicks. Okay, next up. The Celtics rolled past the Raptors to take a commanding 3-2 series lead. Game six was epic. Went to double overtime. Uh, More on that later. Clippers were back at it. Kawhi Leonard blocked a shot with one finger, sealing the win against the Nuggets and setting the Twitter sphere on fire. That was an epic block. His fingers are ridiculously long. And college football is back officially. I mean, we know it's back, but it is back. And the catch of the year race is over. Thanks in part to Texas State wide receiver Jeremiah 
Hayden. Listen to what he did against SMU. McBride, end zone again. Touchdown! Hayden brought it in with one hand. I still maintain the correctness on the targeting call on each. <laughs> Inbounds. What a grab. Secures it. Watch Johnson's hand swipe by the ball. But you know what? When you're Texas State, you're the underdog. You got to make plays like that to be in this ballgame. Next up, umpire. Cowboy Joe West, Mr. Ejection himself, added a notch on his belt, which he definitely could use. That's a fat joke in case you didn't know it. By ejecting Nationals GM Mike Rizzo, who was sitting in a luxury seat all by himself. So if I could play the music right now. You know, the one all by myself, don't want to be. Yeah, you get the idea, right? Literally sitting by himself up in the box and Joe West, the crew chief, he was in the field either for first base or third base side. I probably want to say like third base side or behind the pitcher. And literally the umpire behind home plate stops the game. Joe West goes, grabs a phone. They literally throw Mike Rizzo out because he's not wearing a mask. Granted, he had been jarring about balls and strikes, but Joe West, the man himself, who nobody likes in baseball, he's one of the worst umpires. He's he's really old. I mean, when I say really old, for an umpire, that is. He's not that old. He's in his 60s, I believe, early 70s. Um, but he's soon to pass uh, the, uh, the record for most umped games in Major League Baseball history, I believe. He comes from a family of umpires. And he famously said back during the pandemic that he doesn't believe it's real, that the numbers are all fake, and he doesn't buy the whole mask stuff and really all that stuff. Yet then he throws this guy out, Mike Rizzo, for not wearing a mask when he's up there all by himself. Just unbelievable. Um, So, yeah, no love lost there between Mike Rizzo and Joe West. We should... I should parent trap those guys and, uh, you know, see what happens. That would be fun. Oh, and uh, let's not forget over the weekend. Well, really, it was on Monday, but still part of the Labor Day weekend. And by the way, I hope everyone enjoyed their long extended weekend. I, I Like I said, I played golf twice during that weekend, so that was fun. But uh, yeah, Dustin Johnson, he won the FedEx Cup playoffs and took home a nice fifth million. That's how you get it done, baby. Hey, it was a long weekend, uh, but that's the recap. And then finally, we can just jump right in. Okay, let's talk NFL. Steelers linebacker Ryan Shazier announced Wednesday he is officially retiring. Here's some of what he had to say. Let me find it real quick. Here we go. When I was five years old, I made it the greatest discovery of my life. I discovered a game that I love, the game of football. Ever since then, I've given my life to the game. I love everything about it, playing it, practicing it, studying it, watching it, talking about it, and thinking about it. Football gave me everything I could ever want anymore. It taught me about hard work, dedication, 
teamwork. It took me to college and the NFL. It made me money and gave me a life that most people can only dream about. I'm here today to make sure the world knows how much I still love football, how grateful I am for everything football gave me. And I'm here to let the world know that today I am officially retiring from the game I love so much. Just an inspi truly inspiring story. Um, this is a very special human being. Of course, we remember back he suffered in 2017. I want to say it was a Thursday night or Monday night football game, a devastating spinal injury where he was told he probably would never walk again. Yet just eight months later, he was doing just that. Uh, he's by no means, of course, back to normal. And quite frankly, it was hard to watch him as he walked across the stage last year at the NFL draft. But man, oh man, is it inspiring. And I'll tell a quick story right here before, excuse me, before we move on. Uh, back in, ooh, what was it? I want to say back to tw 2011. Um, yeah, I think it was 2011, my sophomore year of college, I want to say. I don't think I was still a freshman. Myself, my brother, and my brother's good friend, we went to a uh, Rutgers football game against Army at the Meadowlands or, you know, at Giant Stadium, I think it was at the time. It's now MetLife, of course. But uh, we're there. We're watching the Rutgers game, and there's a kickoff. I, I don't remember. I think it was, it was either the third quarter or the fourth quarter, maybe, the opening kickoff of the second half, possibly. And, of course, you know, the rest is history. Eric LeGrand goes to make a tackle and is, you know, crashes to the ground, totally immobilized. Uh, head coach at the time, Greg Schiano, just full circle because he's now back at Rutgers coaching them, comes running out. They, they have to cart him off. Uh, it, was, it was honestly the stadium. Uh, you could hear a pin drop. It was so quiet. Fans from both sides were just uh, uh, on pins and needles wondering, is this kid okay? You never, you know, a lot of times now you get the thumbs up when they stretcher them off, and a lot of times it's very precautionary. But no, he was paralyzed from the neck down, forever changing his life. And quite frankly, he changed mine, not in, not in the same way, of course, but just unbelievable for, you know, what was I, 19 at the time. Um, just couldn't believe it. Rutgers did rally to win that game, I believe, in overtime. Uh, but, of course, Eric Legrand, just one of the most inspiring human beings you will ever see or, you know, ever, ever meet. Uh, what he's been able to overcome, and of course, yeah, uh, local kid from my area, Colonia, and New Jersey, and never really knew who he was. He was just a kid on the special teams at the time, you know, and had his whole life ahead of him. And it was in an instant, in an instant, forever changed, much like Ryan Shazier. But um, I'm sure they would tell you, and I firmly believe that everything happens for a reason. And I think they were put on this earth to, you know, tell a greater message or to, to bring their uplifting spirit uh, to the world. And so, some people in, in this world are just, you know, challenged with more adversity than others because, you know, they can handle it, and, you know, and they have to take on that burden. But Eric Legrand, man, ever since that day, he has done nothing. And, and his, the inspiration behind it, he, his attitude, he, he never gives up. You know, people have to come into his house. His house was outfitted. He, they, they bought him a, a beautiful home in, in uh, I believe, in Colonia, outfitted with all the, you know, 
the bells and whistles, the elevators and the ramps and everything to get to get in and out with the wheelchair. But, you know, someone has to change him and basically bathe him and he really can't do all that much. He's in a wheelchair and um, for much of the, his, the beginning, he couldn't breathe on his own. But slowly but surely, New Jersey has some of the best physical therapists in the world. One of the best facilities, I think in East Orange, I forget the name of it, but he goes there, you know, he does his physical therapy three, four, five, however many days a week it is, and he couldn't move from the neck down. Slowly but surely over the years, he's been able to roll his shoulders, you know, move his arms slightly. And one day I truly, truly believe that he will be able to walk again. Um, you've got Elon Musk over here building uh, his brain chip, whatever, whatever it's called. I forgot already. But uh, he unveiled that recently with, you know, with the pigs and everything, a really non-invasive quick surgery, attach that thing to the brain. It's supposed to be able to help paraplegics and quad, quadriplegics and all that stuff. And I just wish, man, one day because that, that this man will be able to walk again because so super inspiring. He does the radio broadcasts a lot of times now for the Rutgers football games and just truly a marvel. And, and you know, a lot of people something like this would happen to them and they would just give up on life, you know, can't walk, can't play video games, can't lift, you know, can't simply do simple tasks like brush his teeth or eat with a fork, you know, just nothing. He's back to basically infancy where his mother or like I said, a nurse has to change him, bathe him, you know, help him go to the bathroom. So, you know, Ryan Chazier, not as severe as what Eric Legrand went through or is going through, but man, either way, both these guys, super duper inspiring. I know Shazier wanted to play again. And look at a guy like even Alex Smith makes the 53-man roster after basically 17 surgeries, almost lost his leg, you know, in that Monday night football game and now has made the roster uh, of the Washington Redskins. And who knows where he goes from here if he ever plays in a game again. I'm a little scared for him if he does because I don't think he, he is game ready in the sense that like physically, I don't know that his body or that leg could handle, you know, another hit from a J.J. Watt or, or somebody like Aaron Donald. And I don't think that they would put him in a game, but truly, truly inspiring all of these guys. Next up, a little bit puzzling story I read just earlier today. The well, it was from earlier this week. I probably read it, but I saw it again today, and I thought about. I figured I would just mention it, brush, uh, brush up on the topic. The Bengals announced seven team captains as voted on by the players. Right? Okay, that's fine. Uh, players, there's a lot of things players vote on that, as a coach, you should probably veto and be like, "Yeah, no." Um, and this is one of them. Of those seven team captains. Joe Burrow was named one of them. Joe Burrow is the number one overall pick from last year's, this past NFL draft. Yes, he's the starter of, of this franchise, but he is a rookie, people. What is Zach Taylor and this organization doing? What kind of message does this send? I don't care that the players voted to have Joe Burrow as a team captain. I almost feel like they did that because they felt that they almost had to because the quarterback is the leadership role on the team and he's supposed to command the huddle and all that good stuff, right? But he's just a rookie. And I don't think it's going to sit well 
with a lot of these. There's definitely players that probably did not vote for him, these veterans. And I don't know that they're going to respect him that much. So I just find that weird that Zach Taylor would allow this and actually go through with naming him a captain. Now, listen, Zach Taylor, I, I, I don't know, you know, him as a person, but right now as a coach with the limited time he's had with this Bengals organization, I don't think he's going to be a future head coach of Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't see him lasting because this team is bad. Yes, you get A.J. Green back. Yes, you upgraded the quarterback with Joe Burrow, but there are going to be major growing pains. And you want to make him your franchise quarterback, which he is. Yes, great. But don't make him a team captain right away. It's too, too early, way too early, from, in my opinion. So we'll see what comes of that. Next up, Dak Prescott. Okay, this is a big, hot-button topic of the week, so it's time to get down and, 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 and a little bit more serious here. So this happened, I believe, yesterday. Okay, Skip Bayless was hugely criticized when he called Dak called Dak's battle with depression a sign of weakness. So let's back up for a second. On Wednesday, Dak and his brother Tad Prescott appeared on In Depth with Graham Bensinger to discuss their brother Jace, who took his own life back in April. During the interview, okay, the siblings explained that Jace had a difficult time caring for their mother during her battle with colon cancer. Um, I th believe much of that was while Dak Prescott was, you know, in high school and going in, in, through college at Mississippi State. And he didn't really open up himself to others or to family about, you know, how he was coping with that. And then, of course, she died in 2013. So it, it amplified that feeling and he just bottled it up inside. So for the first time, Dak publicly announced that he had been ex experiencing anxiety and depression right around the time of Jace's death. So right around, you know, when the pandemic hit, you could say uh, March, uh, early April, okay? Um, and then he really started to feel the depression, he said, about a few days right uh, before Jace's suicide, which was exacerbated, of course, like I said, by the coronavirus pandemic, which obviously the, the, the pandemic I am a, you know, I'm a homebody. So I, the pandemic, I was living in my element, but a lot of people went stir crazy. I could see a lot of depression forming, not like physically see it, but I can see, you know, in my head, like I could definitely see that totally increasing because, you know, people stuck inside, they feel like the world is ending and there was, you know, no glimmer of hope or end in sight. So, um, Dak said he had anxiety, and then a few days before his brother died, he began to feel depressed to the point of he, he didn't even want to work out. He also could not sleep at all, okay? Um, all signs, I guess, of depression. I don't really know all the clinical signs of it, but those are, I know, you know, anytime you, you can't sleep, definitely something's going on um, because, you know, you hear stories all the time of people having to take all these sleeping pills, like kids in their 20s. It's like, dude, there's no way that if you can't sleep, you need sleeping pills. Like there's got to be something more going on there like that. That just taking a bunch of pills ain't going to help. So anyway, um, he said he, he has since learned from the experience and encouraged others to share their feelings with loved ones. But during Thursday's airing of 
FS1's Undisputed, Skip Bayless addressed Dak's comments, saying the competitive nature of the NFL would affect how his teammates viewed him as a leader. Take a listen to what Skip Bayless had to say. You're commanding a lot of young men Uh and some older men, and they're all looking to you to be their CEO, to be in charge of the football team. Because of all that, I don't have sympathy for him going public with, I got depressed. I suffered depression early in COVID to the point that I couldn't even go work out. Look, he's the quarterback of America's team. And you know and I know this sport that you play, it is dog eat dog. Mm -hmm. It is no compassion, no quarter given on the football field. If, if you reveal publicly any little weakness, it can affect your team's ability to believe in you in the toughest spot. Okay, so let's just talk about that for a second. Now, Skip did preface it by saying, I'm probably not the best person to talk about this or, or, or whatever, and that, you know, if you want to condemn me, that's fine. He was taking the stance. I'm not defending him by any means, um, but I'm just trying to you know, walk in his shoes a bit here and, and, and try to explain because this was a this was a fit like 30 or 50 second, you know, clip, but there were, it was about 12 minutes long, the whole thing that he talked about. And he was basically talking specifically about how he was feeling depressed because of the pandemic, not because of his brother's death. He said if it was because of his brother's death, that's totally fine. That's totally different. But Skip himself, I don't know if he misconstrued what Dak said because Dak did say he was feeling, starting to feel depressed a few days before his brother passed. And then it was even more so exacerbated by that, um, that event in his life, his brother's death. So he was more so talking to that. He, he, but, but Skip was alluding to the fact that, well, listen, everybody was a little depressed during the pandemic. But you, you put your bootstraps on, you get up, and you, you go to work, and you do what you have to do. And he was saying how, you know, Shannon Sharp was coming over to his house, and they were doing the, the Undisputed show from, from Skip's house, and they never missed a day. And, yeah, they didn't, you know, feel great, and it was not fun, you know, and it's being stuck inside, but they continued to do their work. But what he doesn't understand is this is a totally different era and by showing his emotion and coming out, because we have seen this in the past. You had DeMar DeRozan talk about his experiences. You had Kevin DeLove, who was a huge advocate for, for, you know, for dealing with his mental illness and his depression and all that stuff. And it opens your eyes to seeing like, okay, because we idolize these guys and we view them as basically gods and just think that they are something to, you know, they're, they're an athlete and they are, you know, as strong as ever and, and mentally as well, and that they, this could never happen to someone. So the fact that he came out and spoke about it actually is more empowering and, and you want to, you know, tip your cap to him because by him saying that, if he could just, you know, you, you hear athletes, it's a bit cliche, but they always say, if I could help just one person by coming out and speaking out on these issues and what I went through, then, you know, that's all I need. And it's so true because he could be helping his teammates and, you know, any a little kid that looks up to Dak, you know, somebody, anybody, because this is real and suicide is a real thing. 
in this world. And I always used to say that, oh, you know, you're just a weak-minded person and you're a coward if you commit suicide because the people you're leaving behind. And, you know, that's not always the case because you are going through something mentally and it's like the worst physical pain you've ever felt times a hundred and that pain just will not go away no matter what. And you have some good days and some bad days, but being that he watched literally for days or years, watched his mother wither away and then just die before his eyes. You know, he, he, anytime a loved one dies, you, you, you go through something. Some people, it takes a little bit longer to grieve than others, but everybody goes through some sort of depression and his was just happened to be worse. And I'm sure the pandemic did not help. And if you pull out the numbers, I guarantee you uh, suicide rates were, t- were tenfold, totally um, spiking during coronavirus and during this pandemic, guaranteed, because you saw people watching their loved ones early on, especially in this pandemic, watching them die and you could not be by their side because of the rules of contracting it in the in the hospitals and everything you could not be there and people saying goodbye to their loved ones via a walkie-talkie just tragic stories right so for anybody that would be horrible and you would definitely be go through some sort of depression so yeah by him coming out and speaking on this he's helping people and he's not doing anything bad and i i sort of get that old school mentality where it's like oh you know someone's gonna sack him and be like oh you depressed today you know stuff like that which definitely will happen no doubt about it i'm sure uh but maybe not so much anymore in this day and age that we live in not to say that it's soft or weak or anything like that, but it's just a different breed of people. Back in the day, it was just no holds barred, like just, you know, I'm coming for your head. I'm trying to kill you. So yeah, uh, Skip totally uh, was wrong in his comments. He did come out today and say that his comments got misconstrued um, and Fox Sports totally disavowed his comments they they released a statement and and whatnot disavowing it. Uh, no sign yet of whether they're going to discipline him, suspend him, fine him, or anything like that. But that was the big story surrounding the sports world this week, and it was you know a sensitive topic. And I felt my due diligence was to uh, speak on it from my you know personal level. Okay, now to the crux of it all. Last night, Thursday night football kicked off the season with the reigning Super Bowl champ, Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. And finally, people, finally, we got fans back in a sports arena. Kansas City had about 16,000 fans there. Um, I have to admit, I did not care. So, you know, the whole social justice stuff is going on. So, of course, they did something pregame at, at at midfield, I think they like locked arms and I don't know. They they said they were going to stay in the locker room for the national anthem. I don't even know if they did that because I wasn't watching. I was streaming it on mute while watching Big Brother. Yes, I'm a huge Big Brother fan, okay? And Thursdays are the biggest episodes because they're live eviction night episodes. And so I didn't care for the beginning. And not to say it wasn't great or anything. I just didn't see it personally, so I don't really know what went on. But I do know that a lot of the fans were booing the social justice stuff that they were doing, which was crazy uh, in my mind because, granted, I don't agree with it, like the kneeling and all that stuff. I know it's not about the national anthem and all that, but by doing it during the national anthem, it you know, makes it about it in a way, right? 
I'm kind of just over the whole thing, to be honest. And it's like, at this point, I don't care. Cause again, I'm not, I don't turn the game on in the beginning to, to, for that. I, I just usually turn it on when it's already started. Right. So anyway, um, that was all weird. And then Chris Collinsworth made a bad move and he kind of misspoke and he said, you know, he's talking about the social justice stuff. And then he's like, okay, and now can we get to some football? Like trying to hurry it along in a sense, but the way he worded it was not great. And it, you know, a lot of people kind of raised their eyebrows. Like, what did he just say? So I haven't seen if he, if he came out and apologized for that or anything today, but um, yeah, that was a bit interesting and weird. But back to the actual game, the Texans took an early 7-0 lead thanks to a David Johnson touchdown run. Yes, he is my running back on my fantasy team. I'm hoping for a 2016-esque type season or something close to that. I don't, he'll never repeat that again. Not many players will over 2,000. 200 scrimmage yard total scrimmage yards with the Cardinals but the change of scenery of course he got traded for DeAndre Hopkins a lot of people rolled their eyes at Bill no Brian making that trade as a de facto general manager okay so he got the ball uh rolling got me that touchdown finished off the night with about 18 uh point six points in my fantasy league uh, my brother actually had called me an hour before game time, quick story. And he's like, yo, who's the running back on Texans? So I tell him, he's like, yeah, he's like, I picked like three or four players on the chiefs to score the first touchdown. He's like, I need to pick someone on the Texans. He's like, if the Texans are going to score first, it's going to be on some long run. And then lo and behold, his $5 bet hits for $66. And he, you know, because he had the other bets, he didn't make nearly as much, but still hit, got a nice little boost right there to the bank account. But anyway, back to the game. The Texans get the early touchdown, but David Johnson was not the running back that had the best night. That would go to rookie C-E-H, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm told the H is silent by Al Michaels, who said that last night. Out of LSU, the 21-year-old had himself a night to remember, and he put the entire NFL on notice. 25 carries, 138 yards, and one touchdown. He could have had three touchdowns, got stuffed at the goal line a number of times. Here's what Patrick Mahomes thought of the performance by the 21-year-old running back that is apparently the future of this franchise. It's scary to think that this team could be better than they were last year. For the most uh, it's another another weapon that I kind of I kind of have in this offense, and we're going to keep doing whatever we can to keep moving the ball and scoring touchdowns. And then here was Ceh reacting to his performance. For the most part, I'm still on my on my game, feeling still feeling like I could go out there and play two more quarters. I'm just I'm just kind of just floating. Yeah, you could tell. Uh, really interesting fact: uh, when they or opinion when they drafted Clyde edwards alaire at 32nd, last pick of the first round, I, my eyes bulge. I was completely shocked because I thought the pick here should, the pick there at 32, if they were going to go running back, should have been DeAndre Swift. And shockingly, they did not take him. They, they went with the LSU product in Allaire, which, uh, according to everybody's big board, 
was not rated as highly as DeAndre Swift. But for their system, what they love these, they love these bell cows, these pit bulls, you know, the they, the Kareem Hunts of the world. Edward Dallaire is a smaller guy, but he is a pit bull. You know, he is a tough, strong guy. Granted, a lot of what we saw last night was lack of preseason, lack of contact uh, against, you know, this being the first game of any kind because there was no preseason, a lot of missed tackles. Yes, it was a lot of his doing, but that'll get cleaned up and he won't be able to break all those tackles. But man, he is tough and, you know, kind of proved me wrong in the first game. There's still a lot of football to be played, but I thought they should have went with DeAndre Swift in that situation. So we'll see what Swift does now with the Lions. I think he's going to be on IR or at least out for a little bit because they have since, you know, signed Adrian Peterson. Uh, who's looking at a big workload this weekend, according to what he had to say. Okay, more on Edwards Alaire and his historic night. He is the third player in Chiefs history to run for 100 yards in his NFL debut. The Chiefs ran the ball. This is, I, I was shocked when I had to, I had to do a double take when I saw this. The Chiefs ran the ball 34 times. It is the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era that they have run the ball more than they have thrown it in a game. Just shocking. The Chiefs have now won six straight season openers. But if you're Andy Reid, you might have missed the game because he suspiciously wore a face shield instead of a face mask last night. And boy, did it ever fog up. Here's what Mr. Head Coach Andy Reid himself had to say about that horrific decision to wear that face shield. It, that was brutal. Yeah, I didn't do very good with that thing. But it, listen, it, it it'll be better the next time. So uh, I appreciate you asking that, though. It was a bit of a mess, but we'll get it fixed, fixed up. How about you just don't wear anything, period, next time? Here's my thought, right? Why is it that the coaches have to wear masks or face shields when everybody's been tested, everybody's clean. They did what I think the last round of testing I saw in the NFL was over 2,005 came back positive. So if you're testing everybody daily, you're at the game, you're playing, that means everybody's clean and everybody's cleared to play. So then why is Andy Reid, granted, yes, he is high risk, he's overweight, he's like 65 years old. No, he's a little bit older than that even, I think. He's like 68. But why... Or maybe he's not. I don't know. But why is he having to wear anything at all? The players next to him don't have to wear one. I mean, it makes zero sense whatsoever. Uh, it's uncomfortable to wear. He doesn't want to wear it, clearly. That's why he wore the face shield. And, of course, it just fogged up like crazy on him because of the weather and everything and breathing and all that stuff, but man, just a total mess. I don't understand why the coaches are wearing face masks when the players aren't, and you're being tested, and everyone knows you're negative, so just take the damn thing off. It's really, really strange, but anyway, um, let's real quick get to some picks for the upcoming weekend. It's week one of the NFL. I'm not going to go through every game, but there's about four or five games that I really like, so I'm going to give you my picks, and before I did the show, before I jumped on here, I did, in fact, throw in some of my bets. I, I made some bets that I like. So um, here we are, and here we go. Start off with the Baltimore Ravens, minus 7.5 against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are going to stink 
in my opinion, again, this year, okay? They have a basically whole new coaching staff. So, yeah, Baltimore went 14-2 and two last year. Lamar Jackson, he's on the cover of Madden, minus 7.5. To me, that is a no-brainer. Another, excuse me, another game that I like is the Philadelphia Eagles, although I don't like it as much. It's probably my least favorite, but it's still probably, in my opinion, one of the better picks of the day. You've got, and these are 1 o'clock games, not just because, you know, these are not all one o'clock games, but I do love me the one o'clock games because you bet on the one o'clock games. If you miss your pick or parlay or whatever it is, you still got time to make up for it in the four o'clock, the Sunday night and the Monday night game that, and this, of course there's two Monday night games. Okay. So I like the Eagles at minus five and a half over the Washington Redskins. Okay. Or the Washington football team, if you will, if you're that stunad and don't know who I'm talking about or which team I'm talking about. The Redskins are, like, honestly, they could go 0-16. That's how bad they are. So, yeah, I would take the Eagles, even though I'm not a huge fan of this team. Um, they're they're not, they've got Deshaun Jackson back. They've got Jalen Rager. Um, that O-line is really bad. So we'll see what amounts to that, but I still think it's enough. Week one is a little bit tricky because you never know. And again, teams are going to be sloppy because there was no preseason. The other game I like, and I hate to say this, but my I would have picked my New York Jets until I read today how many injuries they're dealing with and top players that will not be playing. So the Bills are minus six and a half at the time that I am recording this episode right now, 8.04 p.m. Friday night. The New York Jets are plus six and a half. So the Bills are minus six and a half. Lock in the Bills at six and a half before it goes up to seven. Okay, or you'll have to take the half a point to get it at six and a half, because if they win by seven, then you're golden. And of course, my brother is texting me right now while I'm in the middle of a show and I'm streaming the Yankees on my freaking phone. So that just froze that up. Okay, so I had to decline his call. He'll text me. I'll see. He's definitely calling me about placing some bets for the game seven tonight or maybe even the NFL games. I don't know. Or he's just call, simply calling me to remind me about our tea time tomorrow. Either way, uh, he can wait. So uh, back to what, what was I talking about? Okay, Bills and Jets. So the Jets just found out today, Denzel Mims, their second round wide receiver pick, right? What do you know? Missed all of training camp, practiced like three days, and injured his hamstring. That's why he missed training camp. Well, guess what? He just injured his other hamstring yesterday or something, and now he's going to miss this game. Also doubtful. Linebacker, Avery Williamson. You don't know who that is? Oh, that's because he got hurt in preseason last year when he was playing with the second strings. Thank you, Adam Gase. And he missed the entirety of the 2019 season. Well, guess what? He's doubtful to play. And also questionable to play is Marcus May, your safety, your only safety, because guess what? You traded away Jamal Adams. So the secondary is really, really decimated right now, okay? The Bills, of course, they have Josh Allen. They're going to want to run the ball. But guess what? The Bills added a new toy in Stephon Diggs. That only can mean one thing. Josh Allen's completion percentage, which is historically bad or ranks near the bottom half of the league, is only going to get better. Okay, because he's never really had good enough receivers that 
you could really blame him for all the drop passes and all of that. But now he's got Diggs and he's got John Brown and he's got a very good team that went to the playoffs and really just, just uh, you know, imploded against the Texans last year when they had a 19-0 lead. So yes, I hate to say it, but the Jets are decimated by injury right now and I love the Bills at minus six and a half. Another game that I like, what was that? Three games. Okay, another game I'll give you is Jacksonville probably right along with the Redskins, historically bad this season, but I just can't commit to the Indianapolis Colts at minus seven and a half, I think it is, just because I don't know. There's too many variables. They just signed a new kicker to replace Adam Vinatieri, who's since retired, okay? Um, The kid from Georgia, Blankenship, Ricardo Blankenship. Don't know. That's a huge question mark. You've got Jonathan Taylor, you know, that's a question mark, rookie running back. And now Phillip Rivers, who I am totally out on. I think this guy's career is done and over with, much like Eli, just sail off into the sunset and retire. But still, guy will always chase a Super Bowl and he'll never win one because he throws like a girl. So that's one you might want, you know, to stay away from. It's enticing. But the other lock to me, to me, there's really two locks. It's the Ravens and it's this game. And that would be Monday night football Steelers minus six against the New York Giants. I think the Giants are going to get absolutely slapped in this game. Uh, Steelers, Big Ben is back. I look for big things from James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster. I just don't think that the Giants are quite there yet. Um, They're going to have to score. That defense is so bad. They're going to have to put up like 35 points a game to try to want to win. Uh, Good bet would probably be the over in that game, actually, because I I do think the Giants defense is that bad. So those are just a couple of, of the picks. Uh, that I like for this week. We'll see. We'll we'll we'll, we'll recap um, next week and see how I did on those picks. Uh, I bet them, so hopefully I I win some money on them. Uh, we'll see. Okay, that's it for the NFL. We will next talk some NBA. The Raptors. I I I mentioned this in the opening. The Raptors got a huge win in Game Six, one twenty-five to one twenty-two in double overtime to force a Game Seven tonight. Less than one hour. That is a huge game. I personally, I didn't bet anything, but personally, I told my friends and everybody I picked the Clippers and the Raptors to make it to the finals. Just based on this series. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Raptors to win this game tonight. Spread is three. I do like Boston, unfortunately. Um, So we'll see how that plays out. That should be great. But this double OT game was unbelievable. It proves why the Raptors are the reigning champs. They trailed in the fourth quarter, again in the first and second OTs. When they trailed in the first OT, they were down like six. I thought the game was for sure over. Yet somehow they fought back and they won this game. OG Ananobi, who was the hero winning game three with the three that he made with .5 left, the buzzer beater. He hit it again, another huge three with just under a minute left. Then with 11 seconds left, Kyle Lowry made the tough turnaround jumper to seal it, and they win it by three. So guess what? The greatest words in sports. Game seven, tonight, 9 p.m. Can't wait. Got to get this episode done so I could watch that 
Hopefully the Yankees win game two of their doubleheader. Lost five in a row. Won the first one today. Garrett Cole went the distance. Only two hits given up. That's what it's about. And the Yankees got the win. They're up 4-1 to right now in the third inning. So big series this weekend. And the Yankees got some good news that Judge and Stanton might be back by next weekend. So things are looking a little up for the Yankees. Anyway, back to the NBA. Let's talk Lakers-Rockets. LeBron had 16, 15, and 9. AD also did his thing, and the Lakers won 110 to 100 last night to take a commanding 3-1 series lead. I'm sorry, the Rockets just... That small ball, I'm sorry, it's not going to work when you don't have a guy over 6'7", and the Lakers have three that are 6'9", or taller in the starting lineup. I mean, it's just not not going to work, plus the fact that they don't play defense. And every other night, you got Westbrook going 1 of 11, or Harden going 2 of 12. It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. So, yeah, the Western Conference is practically over. You've got Clippers. Let's see, actually. Clippers and Nuggets are playing right now. Yep, Denver is down by... 12 at the half, and it looks like their season is over because that series is 3-1 as well. Let me see um, how many points Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard has 14 points. Okay, Uh, not bad. He's been under 30 points the last bunch of games, so we'll see if he could crack 30-point mark. Uh, So, interesting. Western Conference shaping up. Eastern Conference, let's see. It's Miami Heat knocking off the Bucks. They're waiting to see who they face. Right now, the Heat do have the inside track. I would say that. What the hell was that? My, excuse me, Siri on my watch just scared the crap out of me um, because it went off and I heard like a hello and it was a woman's voice that I could barely hear with my headphones. So sorry about that. But uh, yeah, so NBA starting to shape up. We'll see what comes of this game seven tonight. I am very excited. All right, back to some uh, house cleaning as far as the NBA is concerned. The league and Adam Silver really informed teams that the 2020 draft is facing a potential move to November 18th from what was its previously rescheduled date of October 15th. So being rescheduled yet again, nobody really, I personally never thought it was going to be four days from now because the season isn't even over yet. Uh, Teams want apparently want to push the draft back as much as possible, as much as a month actually that so that teams can uh the, so that the NBA and and the players association has more time for salary cap negotiations for the upcoming season which of course is always key for trades that develop right around the uh draft this also comes on the heels as Adam Silver made comments surrounding the start of the 2021 season which is slated for December 1st um, this is what he had to say. December December 1st, now that we're working through this season, is feeling a little bit early to me. Our number one goal is to get fans back in our arenas. My sense is in working with the Players Association if we could push back even a little longer and increase the likelihood of having fans in arenas. That's what we would do. I then saw something else today or yesterday that, there's no way they're going to start the season before Christmas Day. So realistically, Christmas Day, probably closer to January is when we will see the start of the next season. Because some of these players, you know, they make it to the finals. They've got a month, month and a half to get ready for the next season. It's just not enough. 
so they don't want any injuries or things like that to take place. Okay, in other news, Doris Burke making some more NBA history. She will call the conference and NBA finals on ESPN radio, making excuse me, making her the first woman to ever do so on either a network television or radio broadcast. And if you remember back in 2017, she became the first woman to ever serve as a full-time game analyst. So congratulations to her. Next up, Steve Nash. This happened last week, but of course I didn't get to report on it because I didn't have a podcast last weekend. Steve Nash gets the Nets head coaching job, which everybody knows, but he just recently uh, got Kevin Durant's stamp of approval. I mean, publicly. Uh, Nash was hired last week by the Nets. I was completely shocked on Thursday when this broke. I, Steve Nash was never even a reported candidate. You had guys like Ty Lue because, you know, it's all about what Kyrie and KD want. Ty Lue, maybe Mark Jackson's name was floated out there, an assistant from the Clippers, Jason Kidd maybe bringing him back. Some of the names, none of them were Steve Nash, okay? So once they hired Steve Nash, Stephen A. Smith decides, I'm going to make this, you know, a black and white thing. And he goes on first take with a horrendous take about the Nets hiring of Steve Nash, saying it was because of white privilege. Steve Nash is widely respected and loved by a whole bunch of people in the NBA, black, white, and beyond. Congratulations to him. He deserves it. I get it. But this ain't about him, what I'm about to say. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no way around this. This is white privilege. This does not happen for a black man. No experience whatsoever on any level as a coach. And you get the Brooklyn Nets job? All right, Stephen A. Smith. Let me just back you up a little bit. Not back you up as in back him up and like agree with what he's saying. No, let's back up a little bit and dissect what you just said. This doesn't happen to black players becoming head coaches with zero experience. Let me just name a few, okay? Mark Jackson, Jason Kidd, okay? Isaiah Thomas, Doc Rivers, Derek Fisher, to name a few. I think there's like six of them. Okay, so don't sit there on your high horse, Stephen A., and try to tell me. He just tried to tie this in to BLM because he's been getting a hit a lot lately, saying that he doesn't, you know, support his fellow brethren, okay, enough. And it was just terrible, okay? So the fact that he's going to sit there and say that he skipped the line. Well, let me tell you, Steve Nash has some experience and he has been working with the Warriors while they won championships. And Kevin Durant alluded to that. Anytime he was in the gym with Steve Nash, he was just a sponge taking everything in and he's super excited to work with him. And of course, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving gave the stamp of approval to hire Steve Nash. So it must mean that Steve Nash has what it takes. Okay, because they wouldn't just say, 
I'm okay with hiring Steve Nash if they didn't know him or like him. Now, Steve Nash, two-time NBA MVP, just a killer on the court, a great, great point guard for the Phoenix Suns back in his day. So, just, again, ridiculous take, totally off-base, and he should apologize to Steve Nash because he didn't skip the line. He has worked with the Warriors, and he's helped Kevin Durant and countless others. I'm sure Steph Curry has nothing but glowing things to say. And, of course, Sean Marks, the GM of the Brooklyn Nets, has played or did play with Steve Nash in Phoenix. So there's that connection as well. And even better, their interim head coach, Jacques Vaughn, who did such a great job in the bubble, even though they got swept by Toronto, he is being retained. Great move. Great move because the players love him. And he will be the highest paid assistant in the NBA. So Nets making money moves, baby. Money moves. And I love it. I love it. Okay, that's it for the NBA. Let's move on, talk some baseball. Apparently, Nashville is trying to land itself a Major League Baseball franchise. I did not really know this, but apparently it's true, and it got a bit of an injection of star power on Wednesday in the name of Justin Timberlake. I'm bringing sexy back. Yes, that JT the one and only. The Grammy-winning musician told the Tennessean on Wednesday that he has joined the investment group hoping to make the Nashville Stars MLB's next franchise. JT is, of course, a minority Grizzlies owner and Memphis native. So uh, big hope is to either land a new franchise or lure an existing team to relocate to Nashville and rebrand, possibly Tampa Bay, uh, because they have an issue with getting fans in that building. Also on Wednesday, the Braves exploded for more runs than my mind can compute. They set a modern National League record versus the Marlins by scoring 29 runs, and they did so by the seventh inning. Unfortunately, they couldn't score any more runs from the seventh inning on, or they would have broken the record. The final score being, of course, 29 to 9. And I'm a little ticked off because in my fantasy baseball league, I am playing. This is the final week of the regular season. I'm half a game back of first place, and we're playing each other. I'm in second place. And Ozzie Albies coming off the IL, I did not know that he was going to start on Wednesday off the IL. And in my league, you can't adjust that on the same day. So I was over the roster limit. So in order to drop somebody, it doesn't take effect that day. I have to wait till the next day for him to drop. So. Watched Oz, I watched Ozzy Albies in my IL spot on my roster go three for six with a home run, two RBIs, and a stolen base. And right now I'm winning, but I hope this does not come back to bite me in the butt. The record, the modern era record for runs in a game actually is that of the Texas Rangers who scored 30 runs versus the Orioles in 2007. The best, ba- the best part about it was earlier in the day, the Brewers beat the Tigers 19 to nothing. And to think that that would not be the largest margin of victory on the day is just absolutely stunning. Last bit of uh, news that I will put out there is the Tampa Bay Rays 
for the first time in modern day history, put out an all lefty exclusive lineup. All natural lefties, no switches, nine batters in the order. All nine are lefties against a right-handed pitcher. That's never been happened. That's never happened before dating back to 1901. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay, we're at the hour mark. Last bit here. Let's talk about the uh, U.S. Open. Tennis, of course, we're talking about, not golf or anything else. Victoria Azarenka beat Serena Williams in the semifinals yesterday. Serena won the first set, but then dropped the next two. She did receive medical attention on her left ankle during the deciding set, so health likely was a factor in her loss. Azarenka, now fate is set to face Naomi Osaka in the women's final. And then last but not least, whoops, excuse me, some NHL playoffs, of course. The Dallas Stars take a 2-1 series lead over the Vegas Golden Knights with their 3-2 OT win last night. I'm really rooting for Vegas. Of course, expansion franchise. They made it to the finals in their first year. Let's see if they can make it back. The Islanders and the Lightning are back at it tonight with a huge game three. Uh, that might be on right now. Let me see. Yes, that just started at 0-0 in the first period. I am not a hockey fan, but I t- let me tell you, I was watching game two, I mean game seven. No, what was it? I haven't watched this series. I was watching game six of their series against the Tampa, uh, no, the uh, the Flyers when they went, yeah, when they went the distance and when it went to double OT, oh my God, I was on my, I was on the edge of my seat rooting for them. And of course they lost that game, but then they got to shut out in game seven. So they, they, they do face a tough two Oh series deficit, got blown out eight to two in the first one and lost a heartbreaker the other night in game two. Uh, I think two to one, the stars, uh, excuse me, the lightning scoring in the Final with seven seconds remaining in the third period, just devastating. So I don't think they'll come back from this, unfortunately. But hey, you never know in sports. Just never know. Um, But hey, um, and then last but not least, as always, we've got on this date in sports. This is a day we will never forget. 19 years ago, September 11th, 2001. Our world changed forever. Whether you were directly affected by this or not, our worlds will never be the same because of what happened and what took place in those terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001. In remembrance of that date, please go out there if you've not seen it and watch The Man in the Red Bandana. It's about 13 minutes long. It pays tribute to former college lacrosse player and volunteer firefighter Wells Crowther, who died after saving as many as 18 lives that day. So please, I urge you to go watch that. Also, last, last thing, uh, you've got a lot going on this weekend in sports, okay? Uh, tomorrow, you've got college game day at 9 a.m. You've got Louisiana versus number 23, Iowa State at 12. Syracuse versus 18, North Carolina. You've got uh, Charlotte App State, Georgia Tech, Florida State, uh, UTSA versus Texas State, 
uh, blah, blah, blah. You've got the 2020 U.S. Open Women's Championship at 4 o'clock. You've got UFC Fight Night Watterson versus Hill at 5 p.m. You've got the college football show at 7. Okay, uh, top-ranked boxing is on. You've got number one Clemson versus Wake Forest at 7.30. The Rockets and the Lakers game five tomorrow. That could put the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. You've got uh, Sunday. You've got NFL Countdown, of course. Fantasy Football Now. The Clippers and Nuggets game six, if necessary, would be at 1 p.m., but nobody's going to be watching that on the first NFL Sunday of the year. You've got the Indians and Twins at 2.10. Um, geez, a lot of stuff. 2020 U.S. Open Men's Championship at 4 o'clock. That's a shame that that's on at 4, but it is after the Jets game, so maybe I will check in on that. Baseball tonight. Uh, you've got the Sunday night baseball, of course, with the Astros and Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay, guys, that is going to wrap up the show for today. We just peaked over an hour, hour and four minutes. I do apologize if I, you know, kept you longer than you would have liked. But, hey, listen to this in your car ride to work Monday morning or, you know, yeah, Monday morning or Tuesday or whatever, and you'd be kicking yourself if you listen on Monday and I hit on all of my NFL picks and say, damn, I should have listened over the weekend or Saturday or Sunday morning even before the game so I could have locked in those guaranteed winners. That's what I do. I give out winners, and that's what we're going to try to do this weekend. So I bid you luck in your fantasy seasons as they you know, as they start up this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Let's pray, keep our fingers crossed that we can get through this NFL season and it does not get canceled because of COVID. All right, guys, take it easy. I'm the Pody, signing out.